Today is the last Sunday in October. It's the 22nd Sunday after Oct uh, in October, fifth Sunday of the month, and also on the last Sunday of the month is the Feast of Christ the King. The Mass we offer is the Feast of Christ the King, and there will be a proper last gospel the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost. It's prescribed that on this day that, uh, that before the Blessed Sacrament exposed, that we would recite the uh, consecration and also the litany of the Sacred Heart. So after Mass, uh, come down, I'll open the tabernacle up, we'll have, we would, will not have benediction, but we will come down and we'll recite the litany and also the consecration. So we'll do that immediately after Mass. Several announcements. First off, All Souls Day envelopes. All Souls Day is coming up shortly. Uh, this coming week on Wednesday is All Saints Day, Mass at 8 o'clock in the morning. All Souls Day, Mass will be at, five, there's actually at three Masses on Sunday. On Sunday, Father Bomber will be here for Mass on All Souls Day. He'll actually go from here on All Saints Day to Billings, and then he'll stay overnight in Billings, have ma or morning Mass on All Souls Day. Then he'll be back here in Helena for 5.30 Mass and also 6 o'clock Mass. The priest can offer three Masses uh, by privilege on that day. So Father Brown will have two Masses here in the evening, 5.30 and 6 o'clock. So the All Souls Day envelopes, if you receive them, they should be in the pews or in the vestibule, fill them out, return them before All Souls Day. And also the calendar for 2024 calendars available in the, in the back of the church, the vestibule. Uh, don't need them now, don't need them for another two months, but they are available. Maybe something you want to pick up and give as a Christmas gift. And then also in November, and it will be reminded that there will be a change in the math schedule, uh, just because once again the way the schedule will be on November 19th, it'll be the third Sunday in November, uh, mass will be at 3 p.m. So do, that will be, you'll be reminded of that later on, but just keep in mind that there will be a change in the Mass schedule in November. The Epistle appointed for today's Mass is taken from the Epistle of St. Paul to the Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 20. Brethren, giving thanks to God the Father, who hath made us worthy to be partakers of the lot of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath transferred us into the kingdom of his Son, of his love, in whom we, are we have redemption through his blood, the remission of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for in him were all things created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominations or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and in him, and he is before all, and by him all things consist. And he is, a th and he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may hold the primacy, because in him he hath well pleased the Father, that all fullness should, be, should dwell, and through him in, to reconcile all things unto himself, making peace through the blood of his cross, both as to the things on earth and the things that are in heaven, in Jesus Christ our Lord. The Gospel appointed for today's Mass is taken from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. <coughs> At that time, Pilate said to Jesus, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or others told it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee up to me. What hast thou, what hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would certainly strive that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from hence. Pilate therefore said to him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king, for this was I born. For this came I into the world, that I should give testimony to the truth. 
Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Yes, Father, words of today's holy gospel. For this was I born, for this I came I into the world, that I should give testimony to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Just take those words and just understand them. Our Lord says, I came into the world to give testimony to the truth. And everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Now, any parent, any parent would understand that when they speak to their children, tell them to go to bed, tell them to come to eat supper, tell them to do the chores, whatever it might be, they just don't expect them to hear them. They want to put into practice. In fact, St. Paul would say something to the effect that be not only hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And so we have to be doers of the word. We just can't hear it. We can't just reiterate, can't memorize, for example, the faith. We have to put it into practice. And not, it's not just the, the dogmas of the faith we have to know. We don't, the Trinity, for example, we say, I know the Trinity. It's three persons, one God. There's one God, two natures, three persons. And I know that. I believe that. I'd never deny it. It's more than that. It's, it's putting it into practice that which we know concerning faith. Put into practice uh, what we have to do to, to live the Catholic faith. Uh, can you imagine the martyrs just saying, yeah, I believe all these things, and do nothing, and do nothing with it. It's like the man who received the, the talents, uh, the one talent, the gospel, he received it, and he did nothing with it. When we receive the talents, we have to do something with it. So what, and, and today, today is the kingship of Christ. What does that mean? What does it mean, the kingship of Christ? We read the gospel, read the epistle. It, it talks about the prerogatives. It talks about Christ being king. Uh, not of this world. Does that mean that, well, we don't do anything in this world, it's just worried, worried about the next? Uh, if, we, if we actually thought that, then we'd be misunderstanding it. So uh, when we talk about Christ as being king, it means that we have to have, that we should assent with perfect submission to his rule. Uh, and we should, obviously so, we should love Christ as king. He's not a tyrant. He's not... Uh, in any way abusive or whatever it might be. He came to save us. He didn't condemn us to hell. So we have to know what it means to be that Christ, that Christ be king. What does that mean? In the practical order, it, it means several things. It means one thing that if we read the Gospels, listen to what our Lord had to say, we find there's a number of things that's required of us. One thing you will hear about is the cross. The cross. We talk about the cross, uh, the saving cross. We talk about the sign of the cross. When Christ suggests to his apostles that he might die upon a cross, Peter, uh, uh, he winced almost. And he said, be it far from thee. He, he just couldn't imagine. So the, the cross is something foreign. In fact, the cross, if you were to be crucified back at the time of, of, time of Christ, uh, to be crucified, it was a, a shameful thing. It's one thing being condemned to death, but to die on the cross, it was, it was like the shame of shames. And yet our Lord said, we must take up our cross and follow him. So we, we have to, we can't ignore the cross. So the cross is one thing. And so we're going to be, if I can use the expression, we're going to be in the shadow of the cross. Our Lord says, if anyone will come after me, he must take up his cross and follow me. And whosoever will save his life shall lose it. What does this all mean? What does Christ mean by that? The, the, so you have to understand the whole attitude of the church 
toward the cross. Um, so the cross is part of our faith. It's something there that we have to put into practice. We have to understand it. We should meditate upon it. We should realize what the cross is. And every one of us will have our cross. We can't just throw it off. We can't rebel against it. We can't just ignore it. We have to take up our cross and follow Christ. Take up our, take up our cross. Um, it can't just have a, a hopeless shrug and say, well, it makes no difference. And, and taking up our cross doesn't mean that we rebel. We, we accept it with good grace. We accept it with good grace. If, once again, if any man, if any man will follow me, let him deny himself. What do you mean by deny ourselves? It means denying our natural, fallen human nature, that we would deny, we would not let our fallen nature rule, let the passions control, uh, let the passions take the lead or in any way rule us. Uh, if any man come after me, he will den have to deny himself, deny himself. So, uh, Someone may have a tendency toward some fault, some weakness, whatever it might be. He can't give in to that. He has denied that to himself because that's just part of fallen human nature. Fallen human nature, just to understand it, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, of course, uh, they, brought, they brought all the evils into the world, among them weakness of the intellect, uh, darkness of the intellect, weakness of will, death, sickness, a uh, number of things such as that. Also, there's a rebellion. Our lower nature rebelled against our higher nature. Lower nature being five senses, uh, the feelings, the passions. Um, so when we rebelled against God, these, our lower nature rebelled against the higher nature. So the passions, they, they want to satisfy themselves. They want anger, for example. Uh, the passion of anger is like, wants to speak out, starts gets angry and let it go. And, and, let others bear the brunt of it, whatever it might be. And so on and so forth. The, the, the senses, for example. The sense of taste wants to eat until it's uh, gluttonous. It wants to drink until it's drunk. Uh, uh, all the senses. The sense of sight wants to look at everything and anything, bad, good, or indifferent. It wants to see it until it's satisfied. And it seems to be never be satisfied. Always wants to look for, for more. It's because they're, they're out of control. So that cross then is, is to bring these into control, is to, to curb that. Not just curb it, but to stop it altogether, stop them, the passions, the feelings, the senses, the five senses from ruling. They, they serve, but they don't rule, and we have to, we have to keep them in check. If we, because if we don't, they will rule. The pa I always use the passion of anger. They will rule, or the senses, particularly the sense of sight. It'll say, I want to look at this, I want to look at that, I'm not going to, cur I want to see everything there is to see, or I want to hear everything there is to hear, I want to taste everything there is to taste, I want to eat until I'm, or drink until I'm drunk, or eat until I'm, I commit gluttony. We can't let these things do it. So this is part of the cross. This is the cross that we have to take up and we have to resist. Uh, another, so that, that's one aspect. Another aspect is, uh, the cross symbolizes that we must be submissive. It was the devil himself, he said, non serviam. That's the Latin, which means I will not serve, or even more so, I will not submit. Uh, they, of course, that comes under the heading of pride. A, a word you will hear being used, you'll see it put into practice, not only by our Lord, but by the apostles, is humility. 
is humility. Uh, and the devil would not humble himself, and to the degree that we follow him, we will not humble ourselves. No one wants to be humbled, because it's humbling to be humble, if we can use that expression. Uh, and no one wants to be humbled. No one likes to be humbled and, and put, so to speak, put in their place or to be backed up or to have to submit to somebody else. So the non serviam, I will not submit, I will not serve. That, that's, that's something that we hear about. We, we find it in our own selves that we're not going to submit. We're going to assert our rule. We're going to assert our will. We're going to assert our way. We're going to do what we want to do. That's not the Catholic way. So much so that our Lord said, unless we become little children. And when you as parents think of little children, little children don't tell your parents, I won't do that, I'm not going to do that, you can't tell me what to do. Can you imagine a little child telling a parent that? Well, that's a little child, if a child were to do that. He's echoing the words of Lucifer. And when we do that, when we say that, when we refuse, we're doing nothing more than and echoing the words of Lucifer and putting it into practice. So humility is absolutely something that's part of our faith. It's part of the kingship of Christ that we humble ourselves before Christ. Humble humility is the foundation. Remember our Lord talked about building a house? If you build it on sand, when the waves come or the wind blows, it's going to come tumbling down have to build it on a solid foundation. That foundation is humility. And without humility, and, and one just can't say, one does not say I'm humble. One can say I'm humble and I'm proud of it. But no, when we're humble, that means we submit. We submit to, to another, that we submit to others in this regard. And it's difficult, it's difficult to submit because no one wants to submit. But yet if we want to take up our cross, if we want to follow Christ, if we expect Christ to be ruler of us, and is, is it only him? Remember when our Lord went to heaven, he appointed the apostles, their successors, the priests, the bishops, to carry on his work. He said, my kingdom is not of this world, but his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom, and he, he gave them the authority. Our Lord told the apostles, he says, what power, power is given to me, I give to you, he said. Uh, what he should bind, bind on earth is bound in heaven. So that, over the doorway of the church is the word submission. It's submission, and if we don't submit, uh, then it, it, if we don't submit to Christ, we will fall in league with, uh, with Lucifer himself. So, so humility is the very foundation. It's that solid foundation built up, uh, that your house can be built upon that will last. It, it has to be the foundation uh, of our faith. It's the very foundation. It's the very foundation. If I can keep coming back to that word, it's a foundation that we can build a house on. Uh, and just to understand what it must be, take, uh, for example, the thing as a tax collector in the scriptures. He came to the temple, and standing afar off, he would not so much as lift his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And, and our Lord said, I tell you, this man, this man, he could, have, he, he could listen to the, to the publican. The publican says, I'm not like the rest of them, like this, 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 this tax collector. And so the, the publican, he went and enumerated all the good things he did, and he did do those things. But our Lord said that this, this poor, sinful man, he acknowledged his sins, he acknowledged that where he was, he humbled himself before God and man, 
And if he said these things, probably the publican and whoever's heard him and uh, says, yeah, I'm glad I'm not like this man. Because we look at others and we say, well, how can they do these things that they do? How can they do these things? And yet our Lord says, I tell you, this man went down justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. Uh, so humility is something that's absolutely part of our faith. That comes under the title of kingship of Christ. We humble ourselves, not just purely to Christ, but to his church, to his rulers, if you will, of the church. But once again, and, and, even, and to back up a little bit, even confessional, even confessional, the penitent has to almost drop his head in shame uh, when he confesses his sins to the priest because he's confessing that which he has done, the sins he has committed against his kingship of Christ. Once again, uh, go back to the words of, of uh, Lucifer. He says, non serviam, I will not serve, I will not submit. Uh, when the rebellious angels fell, when Adam and Eve would, fell, uh, humility was identified by Lucifer, by Adam, and they, I guess, detested it. They didn't want to humble themselves. What did, what did the devil tell Eve? I suppose Eve told Adam. Adam was responsible. He said, I'll be like, you'll be like gods. The devil said, you'll be like gods. That's pretty, pretty uh, exalting, I'll be like gods. Certainly it's far from being humble. And when someone's like God, now, now they're in charge. Now they're the creator. They're, they're, they're the one making decisions. They're doing all the things they do as a, a God, as a God would do. And the devil says, says you open your eyes, you say, now you see, now you understand. And certainly they did, they did. But on the other hand, we should look to, maybe we should look to Job. Job was justified. He was a just man. The devil petitioned God. He said, I looked throughout the whole land and I couldn't find anybody. And he petitioned God to, to uh, afflict Job. So he afflicted Job. His friends turned on him. His wife turned on him. He lost all of his wealth. His children were killed, taken away, killed. And Job ended up sitting on a dung heap, covered in ulcers. And Job, let's say, blessed be God. He saw this tribulation. He saw this trial. He saw these afflictions. Afflictions. He saw the terrible affliction, losing his children. Uh, he saw this coming from the hand of God. And he submitted to it, knowing that God allowed it for his sanctification. So we see there uh, the attitude of Job. And once again, it goes back to humility. So when we talk about humility, what that implies, especially when we go to confession, there is what we call compunction. Uh, if you don't know the word, look it up. Then there's amendment, there's restitution, there's restoration, uh, this firm purpose of amendment. And then, of course, we come to another word that we find throughout the, the, the scriptures that's part of our, our faith is charity. Now, charity, sometimes people mix up charity with kindness. Kindness is a virtue, but charity 
as a natural virtue, but also as a supernatural virtue. Remember I've, I've mentioned before about the animals are of a lower nature, therefore things we do is, things we do, the way we act, the way we, all things we can do. To an animal, they can understand because we're supernatural. The angels supernatural, they're above our nature. Super is above. If you raise bees, the super is something to put above on a hive. Uh, so supernatural, it's above our nature. So we're supernatural to the animals. The angels are supernatural to us. And so when something's supernatural, it's above our nature, we just can't comprehend it. A, a dog, your pet cat, will never comprehend that they have to close the door to keep the house warm. It just, it's beyond their comprehension. They may be taught to roll over and play dead. Maybe they can be taught to close the door, whatever. But it's not something they can rationalize, rationally understand. So they, uh, they, don't, they don't understand what it means. So we, in many cases, don't understand supernatural charity either for the love of God. Because if, if, I, step, if I offend somebody or someone offends me, I want to retaliate. I want to get even. I want to I correct it. I don't want to, I, I want to correct this evil. I want to do whatever. Well, and sometimes we think in this manner that this is what I got to do. But yet, even our Lord would, would say, turn the other cheek. And St. Peter said, well, how many times we have to forgive somebody? And St. Peter was being generous. He said, he, he asked the questions. He proposed the number. He said, seven? Then our Lord used an expression, idiomatic expression, and like an idiom, idiomatic, for those who don't know, idi idiom is uh, when you make some expression that doesn't necessarily mean what it says, but it, it applies to the circumstances. Take, for example, uh, here's an idi idiomatic expression. It says, it's raining cats and dogs. If I said it's raining cats and dogs or it's pouring buckets, everybody knows what it means. It's not pouring buckets. Cat and, uh, cats and dogs are not coming down. It means it's raining really, really hard. And so our Lord used an expression, the same thing. When St. Peter says seven times, and he was being generous. So how many times do we got to forgive somebody? Seven times? And our Lord, seven times 70. In other words, it meant without limit. And that's what we have to do. We said, well, you know, I've forgiven him. I've forgiven her. I've done it. How many times have I got to do this? Well, if it's supernatural charity, then we can do it without limit. Because when it, what is supernatural, we, uh, naturally, we don't understand why. If someone's offended me, someone stepped on my foot, then they gotta pay. If someone wrecked my, 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 my car, they gotta pay. If someone stole something, they gotta return it. They gotta pay. And it's just, it's justice. Justice stands out, so we, we, requ we require that. Charity, in many ways, it has, it's not part of our vocabulary. But if we talk about supernatural charity, it means not just because we like this person or like that person. Supernatural charity is we do it not because we'd like somebody, but because they love somebody. When we love somebody, we do it for the love of God. So if it is that someone breaks my window in my car and uh, I can forgive them, I can still love them, and I forgive them because I do it for the love of God. I don't do it for, because, I, because I like them. I don't like them when they do that. But I can love them and I seek their good. When we love someone, we seek their good. So for the supernatural charity, Supernatural, something that's over and above. We just don't, it's not natural that we would forgive somebody who broke our window in our car or burned our house down or whatever it might have been that evil has committed. We don't, naturally, they don't, they don't demand our charity because they've done, offend us. What is, what is demanded is that we want justice. We want justice done. 
not charity. We're not worried about charity. We want justice. If someone stole my car, if someone ruined my business, if someone whatever it might be, we we the, the thought that comes to the foreground is justice. I want justice. And charity has no part in making restitution in this matter in many ways. It does. But it's supernatural charity for the love of God. Supernatural because of God. It's above our nature. It's something over above which the, the cat never thinks about restitution. The cat, each, your dog eats your steak, takes off your plate, eats your steak. He has no thought of restitution. He has no, no, comp no comprehension of it because it's just something he doesn't do. And same thing, when, when, when someone has offended us, we don't think of, of charity. We think of restitution. Dog doesn't even think of restitution. It's even lower than us. It's just he got the steak and you're out. It's mine now. It's his. You can't have it. And we wouldn't want it at that point in time. So we have to have a supernatural charity. It's something over and above. It's over and above what we would naturally do. And we have to have this supernatural charity. And when we have supernatural charity, now we become, and to use the devil's word, now we become more like God. We become like God. Because now we're imitating him in his justice. Because you think about it, supernatural charity. God created man, and not just Adam and Eve. Don't, don't blame Adam and Eve. You, 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 and me have all offended God. Personally, not just through Adam and Eve, what they've done, the original sin. That was the original one. Ours was, is not too original. We're per, probably pretty unoriginal, but yet it's uh, part of the original sin that, that we've offended God. And God forgave us. Not only did he forgive us, but he died on the cross for us. He paid the price. Talk about justice. He made restitution, not because just, uh, and it was certainly injustice, but in charity he did this because he loved us. He didn't, he didn't like mankind. At one point in time, you read the scripture, says, he says, we repent of making man. When, when they did all the things he did, he said, I repent. He didn't like what mankind did, not just Adam and Eve, but their descendants down through the centuries. I suppose if he were here speaking to us today, he'd say the same thing. I repent of making man, creating man. And yet, in his charity, being God, being above our nature, we don't understand it, how God could do so. He wants justice, we can understand that, because we sin. But in charity, do what he did for us? And so when, when, when we can say, I will not submit, I will not serve, I will not accept, I, whatever it might be, we say, in rebellion, who are we? Who are we to rebel against a God? And, and like the, the fellow servant, he went to the, with the gospel last Sunday. Uh, he, he, master took, the, the Lord took, uh, took uh, account of all of his stewards, what they owed him, and one owed him ever how much the amount was, quite a quantity. And the servant pleaded with him, and the master said, he forgave him, he forgave his debt. And then that fellow servant wants to throttle another servant, and so you owe me 100 pence, and he threw him in jail and tortured him until he paid for the last, the last farthing was paid. And what we must remember, being Christ as being king, supernatural thoughts on this matter. What our Lord made it very clear is, as you judge, so shall you be judged. So what happened to the unjust steward, the unjust servant? who throttled his other servant. So as you judge, so shall you be judged. As you forgive, so shall you be forgiven. If we have the least bit of selfishness, not in the bad sense, selfishness in the sense that, which it means is that we love oneself. We love our ones, our, ourselves. 
and we have to love our neighbor as ourselves. So we have to love ourselves. And the love is that we should seek our good, and the ultimate good would be heaven itself, not just temporal. Temporal is good, too. But we want supernatural happiness. And therefore, if we love ourselves, then we would be most generous in our judgment of others. Because as you judge, so shall you be judged. And if we want a, a, a lenient judgment upon ourselves, then, uh, then we better be lenient with judgment ourselves against others. So our practice, what we must do in practice, is to understand what it means to say that Christ is king. Like the faith, um, this practice must be universal. It's like the faith. It must be universal. Faith is universal. Always, everywhere. Faith is believing. We believe the same thing that I believe at the time of the apostles. We believe what they believed in the Middle Ages. We believe what they believed in 17th century, 18th century, uh, everywhere. So the faith ha can't change, but it must be universal. Always, everywhere, at all times, at any place. And it has to be indiscriminate. So, so to our charity, so to our, uh, th that which we, Christ is being king. It has to be, we have to submit him without limit, without any kind of condition or, or in any way uh, with anyone. It has to be at every place, all time, with anyone, anywhere. That's what we have to do to submit to Christ the King and put this submission into practice. Because Christ is King. If Christ is King, that'd be like saying, well, the, the apostles, they have the power to forgive sins, but we, people think, well, they can bypass, I don't have to go to Christ, I, or don't go to the apostles, I can go directly to Christ and confess my sins. So, so people think, well, Christ is king, but I'm going to bypass everything else. And I'm going to, he's still going to be king. But it's more of, a, more of a lip service. We give him the lip service, say he's king, but we don't really put into practice what he himself has taught, what he himself has given us, which is part of our faith, which is so universal that we can't get around it without Christ being king and we putting it into practice. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.